Hi, I'm Liz Corey. And I'm Katie King. And this is True True Crime Crime New New England. England. What is up? Hello, everybody. Welcome back for another episode. Another fucking episode. Mm -hmm. Where to begin? (laughs) Oh, man. So, a couple weeks ago, we did Liz, your case, the Tammy Belanger case. Mm -hmm. Um, This week's case is very important to me. Mm -hmm. Um, I have less of a personal connection, but it's still a little bit of a connection where I'm very passionate about this subject. Absolutely. That's totally valid. Um, It might be kind of a long one, you guys, so sit tight, but it'll be a good one. It's worth it. Yeah. Definitely worth it, even Um, if it's hard to listen to. Yeah. So before we get started, just a content warning. We are going to be talking about sexual abuse and manipulation committed by priests in Catholic churches. Mm -hmm. Basically, something everyone's familiar with in some regard. I mean, there's such a stereotype around it, and I know sometimes people say stereotypes come from somewhere, but this is one of those where it really comes from somewhere. Legit. Yeah, it's terrifying. Nutso. So if that's not something you want to listen to for whatever reason, no problem. Don't listen, please. We'll see you next week. Yep, it's never a big deal. We get it. Yeah, we, I mean... It's understandable. We do the same thing with For sure. other pot. Like, who cares? It's totally fine. And this is a tough subject, so yeah. we get it. Um, it's definitely a very relevant subject. I mean, this has been going on for who knows how long. Literally probably thousands of years, to be honest. And about a month ago, there was a pretty recent report just released that said 330,000 children have been sexually abused in the French Catholic Church. Just French And that is alone. just in the French system. Oh my god. So you think about these countries that are being underreported or mm-hmm. maybe places that are frequented more often by mission trips, mm-hmm. quote unquote mission trips, ha. Huh? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mission trips where they just bring a box of Bibles and say, Here. Here. Oh no, you don't have clean water? Here's a Bible. Like what? <laughs> In a language you won't understand. Right. Also you don't know how to read. If you're gonna go to these places and spread God's good work, like, at least bring, <laughs> bring sustainable, yeah, yeah, things that are sustainable that mm-hmm. will last these people longer than just you being there. Right. Don't you think I'm going? I know, I know. Listen. But, yeah. The reason this case means a lot to me, and I know we've talked about it in the past where I've grown up in the Catholic Church, and mm-hmm. um, the man that was responsible for baptizing me and all of my siblings He was actually arrested and investigated in 2011 Mm -hmm. after two boys came forward to report inappropriate conduct. Um, His name was Monsignor Brady. He was at Good Shepherd Church in Brooklyn, New York, where I used to live, Mm -hmm. obviously. Um, He was charged with two counts of sexual abuse in the second and third degree, attempted criminal sexual act in the second degree, and endangering the welfare of a child before he could serve his sentence, he mm-hmm. died in 2013. Really? Of natural causes? He was or... old. Oh, okay. He was pretty old. He was up there. Oh, God. Yeah. So that has definitely tainted my mm. faith and my relationship with this institution that is so corrupt. Right. So right. this case is very important to me. Yeah. Because that's that's a real, you know, that's personal. It's like an epidemic. Like, oh, absolutely. Crazy. And we'll talk about it how sure. just, you know, obviously we're true crime New England, even just in Massachusetts alone, mm-hmm. insane stuff. Because this was huge. Ginormous, like yeah. groundbreaking. And it's terrifying because this is, you know, church is supposed to be something really lovely and really supportive, a like good community. But when you have these pedophiles mm-hmm. preaching 
to love thy neighbor and all that shit. Right. The Catholic Church condemning gay marriage and adoption into a same-sex family. It's like, how is that the thing that you're concerned about when you have priests molesting mostly young boys? Yeah, almost, I would say almost exclusively, it seems like. Yeah. Which is insane. Mm -hmm. I do want to make a point, though, and I think this is important to say, that, um, so these priests are tending to target young boys. Yes. They are pedophiles, not to be identified with homosexuality. Yes. So just because they are men, like, going for young men, does not mean that they are homosexual. It means they are pedophiles. Yeah. So there's no, like... It's it's, such, it's like hard to The problem work. here is not with that community. No, 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 no. Exactly. The problem here is not with who you are attracted to sexually. The no. problem is that they are pedophiles. That you're attracted to children. Correct. And you're targeting mostly little boys. Right. I mean, girls in this case that we'll talk about have come forward as well, but it's yeah. been mostly boys. Yeah. And I know and we'll talk about it. Someone was charged in this with like homosexual pedophilia. No, it's just pedophilia. It's just pedophilia. You don't need to put homosexual in it. No, point blank period. Right. I just wanted to mention that because it's important. And I know you, you know, you agree. It's just something that I think unknowingly people say that. For sure. And they don't realize that they're like kind of lumping in a community. Yeah. And that has no reason. Yeah. Yeah. It's insane. So just to be, you know, clear about that. So yeah, this is a tough one. Mm -hmm. It's intense, but I think it's important to talk about, especially when it's so fucking prominent. Yeah. All over the world. And especially in Massachusetts, just with the case we're going to be talking about. This was insane. So if you guys have seen the movie called Spotlight, Mm -hmm. um, it came out in 2015. It is about the Boston Globe newspaper Spotlight Division, Mm. um, which is the oldest continuously operating newspaper investigative journalist unit in Mm. the United States. Nice. So it's about the true case behind that movie. Right. Yeah. So we're going to really get into it. The movie gets into it. They do a very good job, but it also, Mm -hmm. I don't think, scratches the surface of the extent. Right. And without further ado... We will be covering the, the spotlight, spotlight case. case. Now, we're not gonna, we're just gonna get right into it. Get right into it. Because it's a <laughs> lot. Alright, per usual, Katie, your sources, please, I beg you <laughs> for your sources, please. Well, I then I will tell you. Oh, thank you. That was easier than I thought. <laughs> <laughs> Wikipedia, archive.boston.com, The Guardian. And then, of course, the Boston Globe. Fair enough. I had those as well, as well as All That's Interesting, mm-hmm. bishopaccountability.com, mm-hmm. or .org, sorry. Yeah, right? Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> Screen Rant, which is about the movie. Now, full disclosure, Liz didn't get a chance to watch the movie because oh, okay. when we put this on our list, yeah. it was on Netflix. It has since been removed. I don't know why. Yes. And it's on Amazon video i think for four dollars and unfortunately fuck that yeah no i wasn't about to fuck that i wasn't about to you know so anywho i I can't katie take it away girl all right um so in early 2002 the boston globe spotlight team released an article that went on to win a pulitzer prize for public service in 2003 it was on its investigation into the systemic child sex abuse committed by numerous roman catholic priests in the greater boston area So, we're going to be talking about that today. Right off the gate, real heavy. So, in the movie, the opening scene in the movie, it's in 1976 at a Boston police station. 
two policemen are discussing the arrest of Father John Gagan for child molestation and sexual abuse. A high-ranking clerk is talking to the mother of these children that Mm -hmm. have accused Father Gagan of, you know, molesting them and abusing them sexually. Right. Um, This high-ranking cleric, who we will talk about, is kind of talking down the mom, negotiating with her. The assistant district attorney enters the precinct and tells the policeman not to let the press get wind of what happened and to let the arrest go. It's so funny because it's almost like a theme on our show. Oh, yeah. Talking Um, about how often law enforcement drops the ball. And sure enough, Father Gagan is released Mm. and goes on to commit not just one, but hundreds of acts of sexual abuse against children. Right. And really, who knows when it started. Right. It probably was way before this and continued for way after. Oh, for sure. It's insane. For sure. This piece of shit. I can't even deal. So this guy is real. This is all based on yes. fact. This is a real um, person. Obviously, the movie is like a dramatized account. Right. Because it's a movie. Like right. You have to. But come on now. Mm-hmm. So this guy, John Gagan, spent three decades working in six different parishes in the greater Boston area. So, in all six of these parishes, he was molesting and raping children in the church, Mm -hmm. almost all of them being elementary school-aged boys, and the youngest was just four years old. Four years old. That blows my mind. It's insane. And I... I have all of these. You want to go through his little, oh, his hopping around and oh, all the things he does. Oh, let's. Please. John Gagan was born on June 4th, 1935 in Boston, Massachusetts. And he grew up attending parochial schools, which, of course, sparked an interest in him becoming a priest. And, I'm, you know, his family was Catholic. It's just kind of, you know how it goes. Mm-hmm. You grow up with it, you're into it, it's fine. That was his goal. So as an adult, he attended Cardinal O'Connell Seminary, where he graduated in the Sweet year of 1962. Like an old geezer. (laughs) There are actually records of an assessment that claims that he was markedly immature. Hmm. Which is kind of like a little bit of a red flag. Oh, for sure. Just a little bit. For a priest? Yeah. Yeah. Just a little bit. His first assignment in 1962 was as an assistant pastor at Blessed Sacrament Parish, which was located in Saugus, Massachusetts. Hmm. Hmm. But don't worry, he quickly became very well-loved. He was a very important, you know, member of society. And this is the only thing he did that is okay, is he actually talked a man out of suicide from jumping off um, the Mystic River Bridge, which is really good. That's a great thing that he did. Those are the things you should be doing as a priest. Right! That's, okay, sweet. So he's starting out strong. Good. Saved a man's life. We love that. Um, However... Just real quick, let me sneak this in. Um, while he was on this assignment, there was a man named Anthony Benzovich, who was also a part of the parish, and um, he may or may not have told the officials that he witnessed this junior priest, you know, because he was just starting out, that he was bringing young boys into his bedroom. Oh my god. Purely innocent, right? Wrong. Wrong. <laughs> yeah. Um, but... This man who witnessed this, the Benzovich guy, he later went back and was like, just kidding. That was a joke. I was just, that was a really funny joke I made. He, I didn't mm-hmm. see that. I made it up. Isn't that crazy mm. how that happens too? Yeah. Like, I wonder why he took it back. Right. Weird. Crazy. Fucking weird. <laughs> 
And, um, but then later in 1998, he told reporters that he was given shit for this allegation. And then they threatened to ship him off to literally fucking Peru if he said anything. So they, yeah, they threatened him. They were like, do not say a fucking word. And he was like, yes, sir. You got it. (laughs) And that was that. Yep. How does that happen? I know. There's no answer. I just, there's no words to describe. Ugh. And that was just the first parish he was a priest at. Yep. There's literally five more. So the problem with this whole situation, and it's not just with this specific priest we'll Mm -hmm. talk about um the issue is that when allegations come up Mm -hmm. instead of addressing them appropriately bringing it to law enforcement's attention the archdiocese or whoever is in charge of this specific situation Mm -hmm. they will sweep it under the rug and they will transfer priests to a different parish to kind of quiet down the allegations Mm -hmm. but they would never come forward and say oh we transferred them for sexual abuse they would say they're on sick leave right which is stupid they're on sick leave they're on vacation you know they're they were being transferred for a family issue Mm -hmm. emergency whatever yeah and that just proves that they absolutely know what's happening and they're actively covering it up and that is the massive problem Mm -hmm. so one of the big things with john gagan was in 1980 he was accused of molesting and abusing seven children from one extended family in Jamaica Plain. It was a woman's three sons and then the four sons of her niece. Mm -hmm. So she was taking care of seven children. She's a single mom. Obviously there's seven kids, which, you know, Roman Catholics or Irish Catholics especially tend to have Mm -hmm. lots of little children running around. Yeah. So if you're a single mom or you're struggling financially, the priest is going to notice that in mass and maybe come approach you and talk to you and be friends with you. Mm -hmm. And that's what was happening. That blows my mind. So the priest befriended this woman and was taking the kids out to ice cream, babysitting for her, tucking these kids into bed. Like he manipulated this woman into earning trust. Yeah. She really trusted him. And this is also in 1980. So Mm -hmm. it's like, you don't, know of these things and you were just very trusting and, and this I, is the priest right and i feel like if you even were like oh my god i think this is happening they'd be like are you sick how dare you accuse how a dare godly you accuse? man yes so they're like you just don't say anything because you're like there, there's no way it right. can't be true it can't be because it, it can't right? right and these people are so often in denial and a lot of the times, too, these priests that are molesting these kids and doing these things to these kids mm-hmm. are manipulating the children. Yeah. It'll be our little secret. If mm-hmm. you tell anyone, God won't love you anymore. You're not going to go to heaven if you tell oh. anyone because it's going to break your mom's heart. Can you imagine saying that to someone who has full faith and you're like, yeah, no, God will hate you if you don't let me. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Yeah. So these seven children, um, the archdiocese had determined that this specific incident was, quote, not a serious problem. Yeah, what? But the molestation had occurred with the seven boys in their bedrooms. He performed oral sex on them, and sometimes he fondled their genitals or forced them to fondle his, and sometimes he would have them touch him while he prayed. Which is like, what the fuck? That's just awful. How are you praying to God and, like, actively committing... That blows my mind. But don't worry. Oh, I'm not. Oh, he doesn't have a serious problem. No, no, no. It's not a serious. No, no. Don't even worry. That's not even a big deal. Don't even worry. Right. It's. They even said it wasn't a pastoral problem either. Of course not. No, 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 no. Oh, he's fine. A godly man would never. He's fine. Fondle the genitals (laughs) of a four-year-old boy. Or seven children in the same family under the same roof. Tucking them into bed, bathing them. That was a level of trust he 
manipulated his way into with the mom. Absolutely. At no fault of the boys or their no. parents. Not even mm-hmm. a little. This is a sick man. These are sick men. Yes. Oh, my God. And the worst part is that, like, when this happened in 1980, this was his fourth assignment. Mm-hmm. So he had moved to literally four, so far, parishes, each one getting like, oh, okay, uh, so we got to move you from here because you were accused, so, you know, you were seen bringing little boys to your bedroom, you know, that kind of thing. And then all this shit. And he would sometimes be at a parish for only a few months. And then sometimes it would be years and it's like, how did they not pick up on this shit? Right. Or did they pick up on the shit and just brush it under the rug? Right, because he's constantly being transferred and giving new assignments. Mm-hmm. Like, like way too frequently. Yeah. Definitely red flags right there. It, It's crazy. Um, so the parish he was at before the 1980 incident, it was in Hingham, Mass. He literally, like, was accused by a man who attended the church the, this man said that he walked in on Gagan literally molesting his son. Oh my god. Yeah. And so, don't worry though. Do not worry. Everyone calm down. Because he was sent to the Seton Institute in Baltimore, which he was treated for his pedophilia, right? Great. And then in the early 1970s, um, a woman named Joanne Muller accused Gagan of molesting her four young sons. So you have a family of seven, you have a family of four. Nobody's safe. No. Nobody's safe. It's ridiculous. Wow. And, like, the fact that he was even let out of this institute, they were like, well, I didn't see you fondle any boys here. Right. So you must be good. And these institutions don't even get me fucking going. They are a hoax and a scam. 100%. There are still a couple of them to this day. I don't know how. So, especially in this time in the 80s and 90s, Doctors, some doctors that were so conveniently hired by the Catholic Church for these institutions, they conveniently thought that you could cure and rehabilitate this problem. As we know now, you do not cure, you do not fix pedophilia, you do not fix these urges. It's a sickness. Absolutely. So these people, these priests are being sent to these institutions given bullshit medical clearance mm-hmm. and are allowed to go back into parishes with it, children. It doesn't make sense. And it's it's like the thing we talked about uh, talked about in Constance Fisher's episode. Yes. You know, she went to she killed her three children. She had postpartum psychosis. She went to rehab. She didn't have any kids for six years and they were like, she's cured. She's cured. Because she didn't have any children to have postpartum psychosis with. Right. Like the hormone influx didn't happen. And then of course she was released. She had three more kids and she killed those kids. It's one of those things that like, okay, send him to an institute, right? Well, there's no little boys for him to molest. Well, he didn't molest any little boys while he was here. So he's good to go. Yes. Yep, let's give him medical clearance, have some sort of bullshit documentation that he's okay to continue his job. And just the fact that they keep keep covering it up. And And it's not just him. No, no, no. This is just who we're talking about. He, like, they keep saying, like, be quiet, we'll settle a lawsuit with you, Mm -hmm. don't you fucking say anything, because this is, like, he's a highly respectable man. Mm -hmm. It's it's just so bad. So after this 1980 situation, he took a year of quote-unquote, sick leave. Oh. So, it's now 1981, and he was sent to St. Brendan's in Dorchester. Mm-hmm. When he arrived, the aunt of those seven Jamaica Plain victims yeah. 
saw him at that church because obviously she heard about what happened. Mm-hmm. She attends this different parish. Right. He waltzes in. I can't even imagine. She must have been like... She goes, are you fucking kidding me? She wrote a letter to the archdiocese expressing shock and extreme concern that mm-hmm. the church would give Gavin another chance at yeah. St. Brendan's after what he did to her family. Her name was Margaret Gallant, and she stated, regardless of what he says or the doctor who supposedly treated him, I do not believe he is cured. His actions strongly suggest that he is not, Mm -hmm. and there is no guarantee that persons within these obsessions are ever cured. It embarrasses me that this church is so negligent. Fucking good. Like, that's a good statement. She's right. She's absolutely correct. Oh, she's spot on. It does not go away. Nope. And I can't believe even as far as, like, 81, they're still not realizing this. Mm -hmm. It's, like, just the beginning. Right. It's insanity. And he literally, like, you said he waltzed in. He's like, all right, I'm clear of another one. Like, he's on to his, I think at this point, this was his fifth now. Fifth, yeah. And he's just like, la, la, la. Right. I'm gonna keep going. Right. Like, and it's like everybody involved that's covering this up is fully aware of what's going on. They just don't want to deal with it. Right. He's a man of God. He would never. It's just so Unfortunately, that's not true. No. And even here at St. Brandon's, he literally was alleged to fondle and rape a boy. Literally. Mm-hmm. And then it just, I, I can't. They just continue and continue to cover it up. And there's a specific guy, <laughs> Cardinal Law, who literally was just like, I like this guy, la la la, and just couldn't. Couldn't be bothered. Right. So this puts us at about 1984. Mm-hmm. This was his first year in Boston, serving the greater Boston area. He was fully aware of what was going on. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody informed him when he took this position what sure. was happening. Just by the way, just so you know. This Gagan. Father Gagan guy is like touching kids left, right, and center. Yeah. Just and so Cardinal Law is like, don't worry about it, I got it. He transferred Gagan from St. Bernard's to St. Julia's Parish in Weston. And that solved everything. No. No. This was a massive fucking mistake. Yeah. It was so bad that a bishop working under this Bernard Law guy Mm -hmm. wrote a letter to him on December 7th, 1984, begging him not to transfer Father Gagan due to his sexual conduct Mm -hmm. and, quote, history of involvement with young boys. Yeah. And this is the crazy part. All this happened. All of it was happening. It was known in the community. And this fucker, when he got to St. Julia's, he was put in charge of three youth groups. Mm -hmm. Three. Mm -hmm. Not one, not two. Three. First of all, that's a lot of responsibility. I don't know why they put that on anyone. (laughs) It's like a lot of children. But, you know, three youth groups. And, of course, you already know it included those altar boys. Of course. 100%. Of course, but don't worry about this guy who tried to be a whistleblower. Oh, yeah. Don't worry about him. John Michael Darcy, he wrote this letter to the Cardinal Law, like, do not transfer him here, do not transfer him, this is going to be a problem. He has a very violent, like, sexual molestation history. Right, like, he does not belong here nor anywhere. Mm -hmm. Cardinal Law ended up transferring him, John Michael Darcy, to Indiana (laughs) from Boston. And he was transferred there on February 26th, 1985. Like, oh, you spoke out. You are bringing attention to this problem. Bye. You're going to be the one that gets transferred. Go off to Indiana where you can't cause problems and raise attention on this. It's almost like that guy they threatened to send to Peru. Yes. They can do whatever they want. What the fuck? 
the fact that any institution Mm -hmm. has this much power and this Mm -hmm. much leeway is so ridiculous and it just speaks to the corruption yeah it's just fucking bananas i can't it is so corrupt i think that's a really really great word Mm -hmm. it is so corrupt and also that year in 84 there was a man named mullins and he wrote you know, to the parish, that Gagan was most definitely fully recovered. Mm-hmm. That there was absolutely no need for restrictions. You know, he was good. He he made it out there. He repented for his sins. He would never fondle a little boy again. Like, he was good, clear. So they were like, yeah, all right, cool. Yeah. Go back to St. Julia's <laughs> and go be back in charge of these three youth mm. groups. Go ahead. Yeah, no, that's fine. Why don't you take a fourth one? Right. Honestly. Yeah, right. Take them bowling or take them to the ice cream shop. <laughs> yeah. Babysit all of them. Uh-huh. It's ridiculous. So he hung out at St. Julia's for three more years. Mm. He was removed from parish duty in 1993. He was placed as a functionary at a home for retired priests. Mm-hmm. But even though this home contained retired priests, mm-hmm. don't worry, oh. he was still molesting little boys. Oh, yeah. He'd go attend mass. He'd mm-hmm. go scope out these families, scope out kids. Yeah. I would love to have one-on-one time with right. little this little kid over here to yeah. make sure he really understands what's going on in, in sermon and all these things. Yeah. And, of course, they trusted him because they were like, oh, he's a retired priest. Right. And he was, like, you know, in his 50s or whatever. So they're like, great. I love that. We'll have, you know, my mm-hmm. son can have some one-on-one time and really speak with a man of God. And they didn't know that... It just didn't. He was manipulating them so bad. The manipulation, and I think to a lot of the denial, there's mm-hmm. so much denial even to this day. Yeah. Like, there's really no way is. a man of this this relationship with God, you know, mm-hmm. his whole life's pure, he's such a good guy, there's right. no way he could be doing this, and there's so much denial around all of these cases. Yeah, and it's crazy because they push it under the rug, or they cover it up, but then at the same time, they also, like, he did go to that institute in um, Maryland. Mm-hmm. And then they, in 1989, they did send him again to yeah. a, another one in Maryland, mm-hmm. um, in Silver Spring. It was actually, like, for pedophilia again. And um, they were like, oh, all right, he's treated. Nine days later, they're like, you get out of here, you little rascal. Go back to church. <laughs> you're fine. Right, you're great. And of course, because, you know, he's... Uh, religious and he's been doing this for so long he knows how to talk himself out of it right and like cover it up and be like no i'm a normal guy right what are you talking about like i'm a good person it's just so fucking nuts so fucking nuts so this case builds um he's just molesting so many kids Mm -hmm. pope john paul ii had to remove this guy's priesthood in 1998 because the pope had to get involved and was yeah. like, what the fuck is going on here? You're done. That's like literally going to the CEO and like, right. oh my God. But even so, there's so many other people doing this. It's not just Father Gagan. Right. And so the Pope was like, okay, let's get rid of you. And mm-hmm. then maybe this other situation won't come out. Like, yeah, it's, we've taken care of it. Yeah. Finally, we're doing something about it. Great. Mm-hmm. No, no one will know anything. Right. Except that didn't happen. No, that did not happen. So, before Gagan was, like, taken out completely of, you know, retired from being a priest, he went to an, yet another institute. Um, and But, of course, they said he was placed on sick leave, right? Mm-hmm. That was their cover-up. And for almost, 
like from literally August to November, um, the Institute of Living in Hartford, Connecticut. And when he was released, he was described as moderately improved. And um, they literally send a nice letter to this one guy who was like, he was a bishop. He was like, I don't know if this guy should be in our churches. And the Institute was like, this is literally the words. The probability that Gagan would act out again is quite low. However, we do not guarantee that it would not reoccur. So they were like, oh, sure, yeah, yeah, naturally. Okay, okay, cool, cool, no doubt. And they just were like, come on back, boy. So they, he did. <laughs> he came back. They actually left the decision up to our friend Cardinal Law. Oh, of course they did. Great. And Cardinal Law was like, uh, yeah, that's my homeboy. Right. Get him like, in here. This is my buddy. Like, come back. Yeah. Back he went. And this was in the early 90s. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Before he, you know, retired and all that. Yeah. So, yeah. He actually ended up going to another institution in Canada <laughs> um, in 1996 because he actually had a ton more allegations surface. And then, but of course he got out and he was like, whatever, fine. Of course. Fine, whatever. Cool. Of course. So cool. this guy, the reason we spent so much time on him is because he is the main guy that sparked this spotlight investigation. Mm-hmm. So as a result of this investigation, he was tried for sexual molestation. Um, there are actually two trials. So the first mm-hmm. one took place on January 14th, 2002. Mm-hmm. The second one was in late February. One of these cases was dropped when the victim decided not to testify, a.k.a. <sighs> they were bullied out of testifying. Which is so sad. Because mm-hmm. this is something, like, you. it takes a lot of bravery to get up and say, okay, I was molested as a child or, you know, young man by another man, somebody I trusted, yep. somebody the community trusts. That takes a lot of guts because naturally... When you accuse someone, rightfully so, of that's a part of the community, is well-liked, you're going to get hate for it. And denial and, yes, pushback. A lot of pushback. Yeah. It's crazy. You're going to get it. Yeah. So, obviously, these people are very brave. They've been through crazy trauma. But then, you know, they, they are ready to testify, and then they get threatened. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then the second case... A judge dismissed conviction of Gagan in two rapes because the statute of limitations had run out. Mm-hmm. Which, don't even get me going. That's a problem to this day. I can't stand the fucking statute of limitations. I can't. It prevents so many people from getting justice for their rapes and sexual assaults. Mm-hmm. To this day, this is still a problem. I can't believe it's not viewed as something so serious in the justice system. Right. It's dismissed. It's, it's so sad and you know they uh, there are some aspects of this where they're like okay i see that something's happening so they'll try and start and give you know start things to maybe help it you know Mm -hmm. so like in 1984 for example they signed this man um john brendan mccormack he became like a secretary for um the ministerial personnel in the archdiocese of boston and he was supposed to like filter in these complaints and the sexual assault allegations and, like, take care of it. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, he was accused of being way too lenient, taking no action against Gagan, um, which, who, of course, was the most prominent offender, not the only one. Right. And he kept allowing priests back in, and Mm -hmm. he was part of the people who was like, you know what, you were accused here, why don't we send you to here? Every time. They thought it really would magically dissolve and disappear. Like, okay... 
We've sent him to five parishes so far, but maybe the sixth one he'll stop. Right. Maybe the sixth one he'll have a moment of truth. Like from what? God himself. Like what do you think? I don't get go it. On? I don't get it. Well, hold on, real quick, everyone. This is a question for Katie because my atheist ass is unsure. Sure. Catholic um, churches is that the one that involves confession? Yes. Okay. Just yeah. curious. It's like a thing of Christianity, but. Catholicism okay. is like a little division. Okay. Yep. I remember sitting in confession with good old Monsignor Brady, actually. Really? Yeah. And you were probably confessing to things like, I maybe like I stole a pair of my mom's jeans. Whatever. <laughs> you know, like Let I, see. I, I scratched a window and then I punched my brother. <laughs> yes. And he's like, I was molesting a child this morning. Right. Crazy. But one of my vivid memories is I was going in for confession. And if you don't know what confession is, you sit in a booth, basically, mm-hmm. and you can choose to have the priest or whoever you're confessing to on the other side of a screen, mm-hmm. or you can be in a room with them face-to-face. Face-to-face, yeah. And so my dad goes, you need to pick the option where a screen is in between you. And I was, I, I remember being like seven, eight years old and being like, okay, sounds good. More privacy, I guess. So he knew? My dad was always very... So oh, yeah. this case is also very personal to me because my dad's... Some of my dad's cousins actually were molested by priests, mm-hmm. and they have so much trauma to this yeah. day, so many issues to this day regarding that. Mm-hmm. So my dad has always been like, I don't know if I want, you know, my mom taking these kids to church. Right. And there was a time when we moved from Brooklyn to New Hampshire mm-hmm. after this news broke about Monsignor Brady. Ugh. In 2011, that came out, and we had gone to a new church in Exeter, New Hampshire, actually, and... Love that. You know, the priest noticed us right away because we were brand new. We'd never sure. been there before. He comes over to introduce himself, charm us. He zeroed in on my little brother. And I think it's important to mention here that you are one of five. I'm the oldest of five kids, so I've always kind of raised my siblings, been very yes. protective. So I'm like, why the fuck is this priest not looking at the adults in this situation? Mm-hmm. And I also think it's notable because it's you. You have three sisters and a brother. And a brother. And he was focusing on my brother. Just on your brother. And my mom, my dad was getting so fucking pissed. My dad mm-hmm. kept trying to engage him in questions to get him to stop looking at my brother. Mm-hmm. And he's like, what sports do you play? What kind of, what grade are you in? And so my dad's like, you know what? We're done. It was nice to meet you. We're leaving and we're not coming back here. Good. Yeah. And my mom was pissed. My mom's like, what? He was just being nice. My dad's like, nope. You don't fucking get it. None of that. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. I, I, 100%. I, I get that. And it's good that he was on alert like that. Yeah. Like, he shouldn't have to be. Thank you. Why do you immediately have to go into a new church and be like, okay, is this, is this one of them? Is this safe? Yeah. Yeah. That's fucked up. So, with these past two trials in January of 2002 and late February of 2002 that were dismissed, essentially, um, a lot of people were very frustrated that this guy keeps getting off. Yeah. But there was a trial on February 21st, 2002. Gagan was found guilty of indecent assault and battery for grabbing the buttocks of a 10-year-old boy in a swimming pool Mm -hmm. at the Waltham Boys and Girls Club in 1991. Mm -hmm. He was sentenced to 9 to 10 years in prison. Hmm. But um, don't worry, because the prison justice system always finds a way. Love it. Mm -hmm. And plus, that's not even enough time to begin with. Right. Because nine to ten years is not enough. That's just not enough. No. He actually served one of those years before. (laughs) Oh, just one? Father Gagan is in protective custody at the Maximum Security Sousa Varanowski Correctional Center in Lancaster, Mass., 
when on August 23rd, 2003, he was strangled and stomped to death in his cell by fellow inmate Joseph Druce, and he was 68 years old when he died. Now, it's crazy because Joseph Druce was in jail for attacking a predator who made sexual advances <laughs> on him. Uh-huh. And so they were like, okay, let's put you in his jail cell. And then he, of course, fucking strangled him and stomped his face. And you know what's really crazy? I'm not gonna lie. There, I was on this Reddit thread. Um, there's a video of him, uh, Father Gagan, being uh, attempted to being resuscitated. <gasps> They're not sure where. It came out like 10 years ago. So he was murdered in 2003. Mm-hmm. Um, and this CCTV film came out in like, I don't know, like 2012 or something like that. And there nobody's sure how it got out <laughs> because it's like a closed circuit, you know, CC. Right. Um, and prisoners don't have access to it, like all this stuff. And I did watch it and it's kind of scary. Holy he shit. He is... 100% dead. His face is, like, blue, and, like, they're doing CPR, and you can see his, like, ribs going in, and it cuts off before they, like, call it, but it's really, it's kind of scary, but I'm also, like, hmm. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> like, hmm. I'm telling you, the prison justice system. It works in mysterious, yeah. mysterious ways. Ugh. Terrible shit. Yeah. And then, not to mention, we have a whole bunch of shit on other priests in Boston. Yep. That this Boston Globe spotlight investigation helped put a spotlight on, essentially. Literally. Yeah. Well, let's go through a few of them. Yes. All right. Joseph Birmingham. He was accused of molesting children of his church for over 23 years. Um, He, just like Gagan, was, you know, sent around and around and around to different parishes. Um, He... There was even a mom of an altar boy who went up to Cardinal Law and was like, hey, any chance this guy is accused of, like, molesting kids? And Cardinal Law was like, hey, I just called Father Birmingham, and he, and, like, I asked him if he had abused kids, and he said "Mm, that you were a liar. So, no, he hasn't. And she was like, all right. Mm -hmm. Okay. Great. Yep. Nice. Holy fuck. Yeah. So that's just one of them. Uh, We got Paul DeSillitz. He was a retired Quebec priest who was indicted on 27 counts of indecent assault and battery from when he was a priest in Bellingham, Mass. Um, In 2005, he was sentenced to one to one and a half years in prison, and he was released after serving 17 months. Wow. Mm -hmm. Robert V. Gale was sentenced to 4.5 to 5 years in prison in 2004 after he pled guilty to repeatedly raping a young boy in Waltham during the 80s. (sighs) Um, he apparently was treated like our friend Gagan uh-huh. in 1987, and they were like, yeah, dude, good job. Keep You're going. good, yeah. Keep going. I literally wrote, Cardinal Law was like, no, yeah, Gail is rehabilitated as fuck. Let him, <laughs> let's, keep, let's keep him serving at St. Monica's. <laughs> and then a few months later, after he got out of the Institute, yeah, there was a teenager that reported him abusing him. Um... Uh, he was sentenced to four and a half to five years. He did serve all of those that time, which is it's miraculous. great. And in 2009, he was sent to this Massachusetts treatment center for the sexually dangerous in Bridgewater. Mm. And But don't worry, guys. He was released after nine months for good behavior. I can't. <laughs> oh, in April of 1994, Father John Hanlon of Hingham, Mass., was sentenced to life in prison for raping two boys. 
Jesus and as far as I know, he served that. Like, he's still, or mm-hmm. he he's, you know. Richard McCormick was a priest who was convicted of sexually abusing two boys at a summer camp in Ipswich, Mass. in 1980. Ronald Paquin, a Boston priest, was sent to prison after pleading guilty to the rape of an altar boy in January of 2003. He was sentenced to 12 to 15 years. Um, he was later released in 2015 after serving 12 years, which, I mean, I, he did serve that full minimum. That's good. Um, but then in 2018, he was actually convicted of 11 counts of sexual abuse involving altar boys in Maine. So we're getting a little bit of a whole bunch of states here in yeah. New England. We've yeah. got Mass. We've got Maine. We've got uh, Connecticut. Yep. So we're really we're good. Paul Stanley, a priest, was found guilty of indecent assault with the rape of a male minor in 2005. He received a sentence of 12 years. He served those 12 years and he was released in 2017. Just another one. James Talbot, a Jesuit priest, was removed from the ministry in 98 after allegations came out that he molested a student at the Cheveris High School in Portland, Maine. Hey, I live there, and I've definitely heard of Cheveris, mm-hmm. 100%. In 2005, he pled guilty to rape, assault, with intent to rape, three counts of assault and battery that was related to two students at the high school. He was sentenced to five to seven years, but he was released in... 2011, serving six, and then, weird, he reoffended. And in 2018, he was accused of more sex abuse charges in Maine and immediately began serving a three-year sentence. No way. Huh. One more, one more. And this is just literally a few. A few. This is a few. This yeah. doesn't even scratch the fucking surface. No way. Oh, my God. Robert A. Ward was accused of abusing and molesting an altar boy in 1970. And records show that the Archdiocese knew of this allegation Mm -hmm. in 1995 um, as the pastor had been treated for cocaine abuse. And it all just kind of came out. And um, in 1999, he also admitted to downloading child pornography. And he was just simply suspended by the Archdiocese um, of Boston in 2002. And three years later, he was let go. Jesus Christ. So all of this is coming out and, you know, we're branching outside of greater Boston into Maine and Connecticut and even Canada because of this investigation. Mm -hmm. So this investigation revealed that Cardinal Bernard Law had an extensive role in covering up instances of sexual misconduct and abuse, not with Gagan, but with several other priests, those that we've mentioned. Mm -hmm. Um, This spotlight investigation was started because they received a tip from one of Father Gagan's victims. His name was Patrick McSorley. In 1986, when he was just 12 years old, Gagan preyed upon him after seeing during Mass that his mom was schizophrenic and struggling because Patrick's father had committed suicide. So So she was vulnerable Mm -hmm. in so many ways, and this little boy... Mm -hmm. Single mom now, widowed, mental illness. Mm -hmm. So what does this guy do but zeroes in on them? I don't get it. Father Gagan earned the mother's trust on one of the instances Gagan took Patrick out for ice cream. Nice. On the drive home, he began touching his upper thigh and then his genitals while Father Gagan masturbated. That's disgusting. Patrick, at just 12 years old, did not know what to do. Yeah. This is some guy that his mom raves about. Right. The whole community is raving about. Right. He's helping so many families, quote unquote. He's so great with the mom. He's Mm -hmm. babysitting the kids. He's doing so much for the community. He's a man of God. He's powerful. He couldn't confide in anybody. Yeah. Um, and then Father Gagan, to make matters worse, made him promise to keep things a secret. And when you're a child, 
being asked to promise Mm -hmm. to not tell Mm -hmm. is such a serious, serious thing. It's awful. Like, now, hopefully, as you grow up, you kind of understand the weight of, like, okay, promising isn't, like, if someone's in danger or anything like that. Like, you know not, like, a promise Mm -hmm. is just a word, really. So, this poor kid, that's all he, you know, he that's what he thinks. He thinks... Right. Right. Because he's a child. And that's why so many of these people started coming forward in adulthood. Yeah. Because they're finally able to process what happened. Mm-hmm. So, other victims of Father Gagan's reported to the Boston Globe that Father Gagan told them they couldn't tell anyone what happened mm-hmm. because it was a confessional oh, between them and God, yeah. and it had to stay between them. Oh, that's so manipulative so fucked up how are you going to say that you're religious and say that god loves me and i'm going to heaven and then you're using this religion to manipulate and commit crimes literally commit crimes like no way they think that god is like you know what buddy i i forgive you for that Mm -hmm. no 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 Mm -hmm. no 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 so another huge action by the Boston Globe was their motion to make sealed documents public. Mm-hmm. So a lot of these documents, these complaints, these allegations, the documentation for transferring mm-hmm. these priests were sealed by the archdiocese. Because they're pussies. Which it's insane that they're even allowed to do that. Right. This should not be allowed. They did not get law enforcement involved whatsoever. They sealed these documents and these complaints and they just transferred people around and they shuffled them around. I just don't. So the Boston Globe, after receiving this tip and they're trying to investigate this, Mm -hmm. they were hitting dead end after dead end after dead end because all these fucking documents are sealed. So they went to the court and they were like, you need to open these documents. Mm -hmm. This is a huge problem. We have lots of reasons to suspect that this goes beyond Patrick and Father Gagan. Yeah. This one kid and this one priest. Right. We have reason to suspect that there are more victims and more priests involved. Mm -hmm. And they were right. They were right. They were spot on. The archdiocese tried to fight them on this when they were trying to open these documents. Of course they did. But the court granted the motion and all sealed documents about the sexual abuse scandal were made public on January 26, 2002. Good. Part of these sealed documents show that in 1997 alone, Mm -hmm. the archdiocese had settled 50 lawsuits against Father Gagan, totaling over $10 million. Against him alone? Against the priest alone. Holy shit. So now this proves that not only is the archdiocese of the Catholic Church system of Greater Boston Mm -hmm. hiding these allegations and transferring these priests knowing that they're dangerous, they are paying off these families to shut up about it. If that doesn't say fucking guilty, I don't know what Mm -hmm. does. Mm -hmm. There's so many moving parts, too. Like, there's more... Than one person responsible for this. Oh, and it's not just Father Gagan. No, 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 no. Believe me, these documents revealed that over the past decade, the Archdiocese had settled abuse claims made by families against 70 priests. 70? 7-0. This investigation blew up. Yeah. Patrick's story inspired other victims to come forward. Good. They received hundreds of stories of victims. Like, yep, this one did this to me. This one did this to my cousin, my family, my sister, my daughter. Yeah. Everybody. Yeah. Hundreds of victims. And the information that they received condemned over 100 priests in the greater Boston area. Just in the greater Boston area. Alone. Mm -hmm. Does that not blow your mind? (sighs) Yep. So in light of this 
Boston Spotlight Scandal. Mm-hmm. After initially agreeing to a $30 million settlement with 86 of Gagan's victims, Shit. the Boston Archdiocese pulled out of it, and they finally settled with them for $10 million. That's it, though. But they're made of money. This is insane. Like, that does not even touch <sighs> I know. what they have. I mean, they I receive know. donations every single day from people just showing up thinking that it's going back to the community and doing good. Oh, my God. Imagine you're sitting in church and you're during this time, and even now... You're donating, yeah, and this money could be going to pay off a family who is reporting sexual abuse. Yeah. Still, to this day. Corruption. Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Jesus Christ. Cardinal oh. Bernard Law resigned mm-hmm. as a result of this Boston Spotlight issue Good. in December of 2002. Mm-hmm. He relocated to Rome in 2004, mm-hmm. where he served as the archpriest of the Basilica of St. Mary Major, the largest Catholic church in Rome. What a piece of shit. He retired, loving life, at the age of 80 in 2011, and he passed away at his lovely house in Rome in December of 2017. What a piece of shit. He relocated himself yeah. after doing all this shuffling. Yeah. He was like, whoop, better get out of here real quick. Yep. I can't even deal. In June of 2004, the land around the Archdiocese of Boston headquarters was sold to Boston College hmm. to raise money for legal costs associated with the scandal. Well, that's good. Not enough, but... Isn't that great? Like, yeah. what the fuck? <gasps> what Boston the fuck? College, man. Woo! Michael Resendez, who was a member of the Globe Spotlight investigative team and lead writer on the first story in the paper's prize-winning series. They won a Pulitzer for this. They this was how groundbreaking it was. Yeah. He stated, There's no question in my mind that our work was the spark. We were the forerunners. Given that Boston is the largest Catholic city in America, it was quite courageous of the editors. But the court cases we won, the church documents we got released, became precedent. They encouraged other papers and other lawyers in other cities to follow suit. Wow. I didn't know it was the biggest Catholic mm-hmm. city. Biggest Catholic concentration in the United States. Wow, that's crazy. Which is why this was fucking crazy. Mm-hmm. Huge. Fucking crazy. But because of this Boston Spotlight case that hit mm-hmm. January of 2002, mm-hmm. it was released everywhere. Right. And so it became a nationwide situation. Yeah. Within the first two years of the first of the Boston Globe's 800 articles on this scandal, mm-hmm. Cardinal Law resigned. 150 priests in Boston alone stood accused of sexual abuse. Holy shit. Over 500 victims had filed abuse claims. <gasps> Churchgoers' donations to the archdiocese had dropped by 50%. It should have dropped by 100, but... <laughs> right. what the- I guess 50 is a start. You still got those loyal... And they're always they will be. possibly... Yeah. Always will be. Yep. Nationwide, over 450 priests and four bishops resigned, mm-hmm. pending or as a result of other claims. Right. Several states, including Massachusetts, introduced new laws obliging clergy to report any knowledge of child sex abuse to civil authorities. That's a start, I guess. Instead of handling it themselves. Right, right, right. Yeah. Now, I'm guessing, you know, did that prevent it completely every time? <laughs> Absolutely the no. fuck not. But it's a good start. It's a good start. And this thing should be in all 50 states. Agreed. I'm not understanding why legislation... Oh, one state, five oh, states. No, this just Boston, really, right? Like, no. What the fuck? Oh, my God. What the fuck? I can't. Yeah. And so this movie, the Spotlight movie, if you guys are interested, I think it did a very good job talking mm-hmm. about this. Yeah. Um, it really showed a lot of the process mm-hmm. of how the writers had to go through 
and jump through these hoops. I and bet. hit dead end after dead end, and everything is blocked, and nothing is accessible to them. No, of course not. It's and all redacted, also, too. Yes, of yeah. course. Of course. Seal, they have to get court permission. The archdiocese is fighting them. Of course, right. right. Victims don't want to come forward initially. Mm-hmm. Um, in the movie, I don't know if this is fact, but one of the investigators on this case, as they're learning about what's going on, mm-hmm. they realize that one of these treatment centers for priests is in their neighborhood. <gasps> And they can't tell their neighbors, like, hey, don't let your kids play on their playground, basically. Holy shit. Yeah. So he told his kids, do not go near, do not even walk by. I can't tell you why. Do not go near it. it. Mm -hmm. Right. Yet, at the same time, he was still almost kind of defending the priests. Like, I can't tell you why. Right. Because I don't want you to think that priests are bad or that there's anything wrong with the... Yeah. Just, just... That's scary. I didn't know they did that. Yeah. Whose good idea was that? Oh, you know what? There's this elementary school recovering <laughs> priests who are pedophiles no right. yeah that's <laughs> perfect within perfect. A couple yards. we'll have it all on the same street it'll be easy access Great. we'll have the school resource officer yep. we'll have a institute resource officer and they'll like switch shifts it'll be oh, great that's amazing are you fucking kidding me? And especially since this case came out, there have been documentaries and mm-hmm. multiple reports that you can see if you don't want to watch a movie that is you know, could be dramatic. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. There are documentaries you can watch about this. Wow. And yeah. Wow. That's crazy. That's this Boston spotlight case. And it's so much. And it's also, we only talked about so little. We did not even scratch the fucking start. We could do an entire podcast on the spotlight case, mm-hmm. let alone what's going on nationally, mm-hmm. internationally. Yes. Yep. For a very, very long time. Mm-hmm. Very long time. It's ridiculous. Yep. Oh my God. Yeah. That's so heavy. It's crazy to think like that abuse did not happen to me or my siblings. I'm but so glad. We witnessed it firsthand. I mean, yeah. the guy that's responsible for baptizing me and bringing me into my faith, basically, yeah. that's the whole thing is like, oh, yeah. I'm, Baptism, yay! Oh, yeah. Woo! Yeah. Like your first step to yeah, yeah. thanks. <laughs> right, right, right. And you know that's nice. really that's really upsetting and awful. You yeah. know, because faith is such a lovely thing. Yeah. So to have that tainted by mm-hmm. pedophile. Yeah. Jesus. And I will Christ. say, like, I do consider myself a faithful, spiritual person. Yeah. Am I going to back this institution at all? No. Yeah. Not a fucking chance. Yeah. How are you going to condemn gay marriage and same-sex adoption and then brush us under the rug? Yeah. That's a really fucking good question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Boston fucking Boston. spotlight. Boston. I can't. Yeah. That's crazy shit. But yeah, if you guys want to pay the $4 to watch this movie, <laughs> they did such a good mm-hmm. job, I think. It had high ratings. Yeah. Yeah. It showed the process and the, yeah. whole, the yeah. whole thing. Which is important. And fun fact, this yeah. case... Because it broke in early January of 2002. Mm-hmm. It was set to release earlier in 2001. But because of 9-11, this case, they were not able to break it. Which is, yeah. Which is fair, because but, all yeah. of the Boston Globe's headlines and resources right. were going to cover 9-11, of right. course. Right, That happens a lot with cases surrounding 9-11. Yes. So that's, yeah, it makes, it makes sense. And other murders. Right. Like a smaller murder gets... No coverage because of a huge thing that comes out. Oh, yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. yes. What are you going to do? Yeah. Oh, man. 
So you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at truecrimene. All lowercase. Or you can email us at truecrimene at gmail.com. Or you can find us on our website at truecrimene.com. We have a handy-dandy submission toolbox where you can send us your stories, cases you'd like to hear us cover. Or just to talk with us. Or just to chat with us if you have feedback about this case or any other cases that we're doing, Mm -hmm. things you'd like to talk about. Mm -hmm. Um, If you want to leave your contact information, too, when you contact Mm -hmm. us in the submission toolbox, because we don't really have a way to respond to you guys. I know. you give us these cool things. Yeah. So, like, give us your Insta or your email. Yeah. We love it. Instagram. We're more responsive. Yeah. <laughs> we yeah. can reply to you in our Instagram. Yeah. And we, we can chat with you. Yeah. And we want to talk to you about these things. Like, thousand percent. Because they're interesting. It's so nuts. We've gotten a lot of good DMs and submissions, yeah. so yeah. keep them coming, y'all. Keep them coming. And again, if you want to remain anonymous when you send us these things, or if you want us to talk about something on mm-hmm. this podcast, and you don't want us to use your name, not a problem. That's fine. Not a problem. Totally fine. And if you're able rate and review that'd be great um the more rates and like reviews a podcast has the more attention it gets yes so that'd be really cool and very can... beneficial for a lot of these cases that we cover yes because they're not that well known yes and we're not i'm asking you to give us an honest review i'm not saying give us five stars although you should uh <laughs> give us whatever you think we deserve yeah. you know we want to improve we want to get better we want this to reach people so Yeah. Yeah. Thank you guys, as always. Of course. And we'll see you next week. Bye. Goodbye.